Hi, this is Angelina Asante. Thanks for joining me on this week's edition of The Healthy Hypochondriac. I have my friend, Sally, just in time to talk Sally. about anxiety. Sally, oh, we're doing last names. Very revealing, Sally. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, yeah, This is a perfect time to talk to you because yesterday on my birthday, Simone Biles drops out of the Olympic gymnastics final. Now I've been reading some really ugly things about her. Um, she's amazing. Why are people so angry? Because she's putting herself first and they're calling her un-American. Damn it. It's American to put yourself first. What's the matter with people? Sally, please explain this insanity to me. Okay. You know, you just made the comments, um, comment Americans are putting themselves, are supposed to put themselves first. Mm, I don't know if I completely agree with that right now. Okay. I think when you say Americans are putting themselves first, or someone says that, not necessarily you, I think it means that we care about others. I think that's what being American is. One of the important things about being American is caring about other people. And uh, I have not read the ugly comments. I have seen a lot of positivity towards her. People are doing that, I think, but I don't know those people personally because they think she's Olympian. She's supposed to be competing, which can be very American in, in a good way and maybe not such a good way. They expect her to compete. You know, she's good, just good Lord, the, the amount of training, the time away from their family, their loved ones, it's insane what we ask these Olympians to do. And I, I just, ugh, I get so frustrated with people. She's got mental health issues. We need to, how are you going to run a team? She is arguably probably the best we've ever seen. And how are you going to be able to focus on, there's so much pressure on her. Why are people picking on this woman? I just get so frustrated. Put put yourself first, Simone. Take care of your mental health. There's nothing wrong with getting help. Sally, you know I've been in and out of <laughs> counseling over the years, especially after cancer. Why is there such a stigma about this? So many people are suffering from anxiety right now. Well... I think another reason why people are getting on her besides she's an Olympian. So she's supposed to be uh, this, oh, this unbelievably strong person, stronger than anybody else. I think it has to do with uh, people do not understand what these Olympians go through. They don't understand what the training is. You know, um, you have to put yourself in someone else's shoes, uh, which means to try to understand, you know, what they're going through. And another thing is she has sponsors. Uh, people are probably making some money off of her in so many ways. Um, and uh, people don't understand mental, mental illness. Uh, one of the things she's been talking about is losing herself in the air. And they had another Olympian who's her friend. And oh my God, gosh, I can't remember her name. But they had her on and uh, via satellite or whatever you call it now. And uh, when you lose yourself in the air, that means that you could become injured. And she, for some reason, has become overcome by the, well, not 
for some reason. She's been overcome by the pressure. She's feeling a lot of pressure. She also says that part of this is because she's older and she mm-hmm. realizes more what what pressure this is and how she needs to perform perfectly. And she said that on camera. I've seen all the clips. So this is primary source information. This is not anything I'm, I'm making up. But she has expressed anxiety upcoming to this for several days, maybe weeks. And um, it's just gotten to her. You know, that's what anxiety does. You do your thing. You go to work. You take care of your family. You go to the doctor. You do your errands. You go to the transfer station. And then all of a sudden it gets her. So here she is. She's training. She's working with her coaches. She's doing these TV spots. She has a relationship. And boom. It catches her and she loses herself in the air. That's what she's been saying. This is what makes me angry. And and you know how I feel about the press. I think they're an absolute joke. Uh, they're, They're doing a total disservice to America. But this is my, this is what really upsets me about someone like Simone Biles. There are red flags this woman needs. Absolutely. She deserves it. Now, if someone is in a state of mental fatigue or distress and they don't take a break like she did and they do self-harm everybody is up in arms and says oh well there was no warning sign we we could have stopped it now she's stepping forward saying hey i have some serious mental issues i need to take care of and people are attacking her like crazy well they're mean people I just, I, I, I applaud her. We need more people like this in the spotlight saying, Hey, I need to step off of this pedestal. You all put me on and I need to get right in my mind so I can focus on this thing that you guys have put me in. And I I just, I feel like all the time that they've, they've donated or given up to, for their country, I don't know. I wish we were a little bit more supportive than like rallying around her. Now, now in the pre-interview, you told me that Michael Phelps has had some issues. Like Michael that. Phelps, I said it, Michael Phelps talked about it a lot in 2018. Uh, people may remember this, they may not, but before that, he was he was really. Um, well, I'm going to use the phrase "acting up." I mean, he was doing a lot of just self-destructive things. I think he was running around drinking more, getting in some trouble. I don't know if it was the law or anything, but there was a lot of press on him and about, you know, things that he was doing that was self-destructive. And um, he finally, for some reason, accepted that he was in severe depression. And in 2018, he said he was ready to kill himself. Oh my gosh. You know, I'll tell you personally what I think Simone should be doing right now. Supposedly at the end of the, the week, there's going to be the oh, some kind of other gymnastics event, you know, to win a medal she can be involved in. I don't know if it's called the all around or what it is. I can't remember. But she wants to stay and do that. You know what I think she should be doing now? Getting on a plane and going home. Yeah. And going into treatment immediately. But I know that she's loyal. She's loyal to her other teammates and she wants to be there for them and she wants to help them. But, you know, we all reach a point in our life. Sometimes it can be where, you know, someone passes away or something happens in our life and we have to take some time for ourselves, or it may be, uh, 
you know, we just have to leave and really take time for ourselves, which means going to therapy, you know, maybe medication could be helpful. I, I don't know. But if I were her, I would leave now. Well, this would... is the thing, and I don't have to tell you. So for the audience, Sally and I both are from Massachusetts, and we were both in Massachusetts, right? You were there in 86 with Bill Buckner, the World Series. You were in Massachusetts in 86. Actually, it... I, I was watching it on TV in Dexter, Maine. Oh, you were in Maine then. Okay. But I saw Bill Buckner miss the catch. But you remember how, I don't know, because I remember being in Massachusetts and everyone was so angry and ugly and nasty. Same thing in Maine. It was New England. New England is New England. I oh, mean, whether you're in Massachusetts, you know, it's, oh yeah, it was So terrible. vicious. So vicious. They actually had to leave. The Buckners actually had to move out of Boston. People because are vicious. People pe are vicious. People made their lives hell. And I just feel like, it was one catch. It, he missed one. He missed it. I mean, in 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 these people making fun or making these rude comments about S Simone, you're not at the Olympics. <laughs> you're not. You know. There. You know. In the scope of life, not catching one ball or not doing one thing, maybe you should do, or maybe you know, making a mistake. In the scope of your entire life, it does not matter. Because what matters is your life. You know, that is what matters is your life. The ability to feel the sunshine on your shoulders, to help someone else, to, you know, smell newly mown grass, to pat a cat. That is what your life is. Your life is not about missing one catch. So you have to move. And once I feel that once people realize that's what life is, then they are living life. It, and you know what? When stuff does happen, when you miss that ball or, or whatever it is, you can handle it better. Not only you as a person, but people that are being mean to other people. You know, I, I just I just don't don't like that at all. You know, even going through anxiety um you know, I think there's some things I've done that haven't been nice as a result of my anxiety. But finally, you know, I, I have it somewhat in control. And I just, there's no need for people to be mean to anybody ever. There's no need ever to be mean to anybody. Well, especially we're not walking in their shoes. I mean, you you and I, now you, you have anxiety now. I have had anxiety. If you try to fly with me anywhere, you will see you will see me have anxiety because I do not like to fly. I don't like elevators. I don't like feeling closed in. I mean, I, I hide it. A lot of people don't know how bad I'm, um, you know, struggling inside with it because I don't let a lot of people know, but I did tell you in my twenties, I had panic attacks like crazy. That's why I used to drink so much. Um, I had horrible panic attacks. I don't thank God. I don't suffer from them anymore, but can you kind of talk about how you should handle anxiety? What, like what, how can, how can we remedy that? Well, one thing I wanted to mention, um, and I do have, you know, some cheat sheets here. Um, in the United States, more people struggle with anxiety orders, anxiety disorders than any other mental condition. And just over 19% of the population who are 18 years and older will have one each year, an anxiety disorder. So this <laughs> equates to around 40 million adults who are dealing with anxiety. Um, 
organization estimates that one in 13 individuals will experience an anxiety disorder. And unfortunately, many do not have access. Adolescents, 32% will struggle with anxiety um, annually. It doesn't discriminate. Uh, females are apt to have it. Um, it can come in many forms. One is generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, which is probably what you had, mm -hmm. social anxiety, and specific phobias. Now, post-traumatic stress disorder is separate from generalized anxiety disorder and these things that I listed. Um, oh, post-traumatic stress disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder are also highly associated with anxiety because of their symptoms. They are often categorized by cl clinicians as linked to the family of anxiety disorders. They are linked, but they have them separated in the American Psychiatric Association's DSMV, which is kind of their textbook. If you go into a psychologist, psychiatrist's office, they have it on the shelf. Okay. And that's what, that's what they refer to. It's like their encyclopedia of information. Um, it can coexist with other mental, mental health conditions. 50% of individuals with an anxiety disorder will also experience depression as well, which is what, what I have. Um, I also suffer from depression. Um, it has several symptoms. Now, um, while fear, worrying, and dread are considered to be the hallmark traits of anxiety, anxiety disorders can present themselves in several different ways. See, it, it becomes an anxiety disorder if it takes over your life. If it just takes over your life all the time. I can remember being a little kid and I, I didn't want to go into the grocery store. I was afraid. Mm -hmm. And I, one story that I haven't told you is I was probably six or seven years old and I cut myself on um, barbed wire. Oh, I, I heard about, this isn't funny. It, I heard about something called lockjaw. Of course, I'm thinking, oh my God, I talk about time, even <laughs> as a little kid. And my mother used to come in, we had a big family. So we used to take naps in the afternoon. My mother would come in and nap with me and we'd talk. And I was so desperate to tell her that I had cut myself on barbed wire, but I was afraid to tell her. And I know I was afraid to tell her because she suffered from bipolar um, depression and, and I was afraid she was going to like fall into a manic state, you know, mm. where she was like freaking out and screaming and yelling. And I also was afraid because I really wasn't supposed to be where I was um, climbing over the barbed wire fence, obviously. And I also, I was afraid of, um, disappointing people that I did something like that. And it was just, so I never told her, unfortunately, I didn't get lockjaw, but that was as young as six. So that was, um, that was a real issue. And, um, when you're talking about drinking, drinking, alcohol, drugs, food, smoking, that comes easily. They, they, um, they can provide temporary relief. Right. Like I, I even remember, I remember flying to Hawaii because for someone who doesn't like to fly, you definitely want to go to Hawaii. That seems like a really good idea. But when we were on the plane, I was like, 
why, why, why is there smoke coming out of the engine? And my husband was like, there's another plane in front of us. And he, he's like such a good flyer. Like I just, in, on the way home, I was drinking. Um, I always was like a beer drinker and I was drinking, um, Bloody Mary's. That's, that's how I got on the plane. I knew I love Bloody Mary's actually. I don't really drink them, but I do love them. I, I actually was surprised. I, they, they tasted decent because, but, but I was, I was just like one after another. And then on the plane, I was drinking one. I, I, I was like, I, I just, that was the way I would deal with it. Now I like listen to music and I like put like essential oils <laughs> on my yeah. pulse points. Like that's how I deal with it. And I try to like center and pray and, but I'm, I don't know. It's really weird. Like it's cyclical for me. And, and for me, like my anxiety now as an adult, cause I don't suffer from it. Like I used to in my twenties, mine now is in the form of, did I shut the oven off? Did I shut my hair flattener off? I'll check like 10 times. And I like, I know that's not normal. And like even the doors that I lock the doors and I'll check the door like 10 times. Well, that's, that's supposedly is a form of OCD. And well, cause, and I believe you, cause I'm like that with hand washing. Like my family, like always makes fun of me. I've been like that my whole life. Like I'm obsessive with hand washing. Well, that's part of that's, that is, if you have anxiety disorder, even though, if, though you just had, you say you don't have anxiety, which I still do the, do think that you do to a degree, but it's not, it hasn't taken over your life. You've learned to deal with it. And you just told us some strategies like essential oils and music. What happens with me is I get overwhelmed with things I know I have to do during the day. And what I try to do is in my mind is focus on the one thing that I am doing. I make a list. That's the way to, that I deal with it. I make a list of everything that I have to do that day. And then I go through each task and I cross it off. And I try not to let the other tasks rush into my head because that can make you a little anxious. Something I wanted to mention to you talking about anxiety is uh, many uncontrollable aspects such as person's genetics, biological processes like brain chemistry, as well as life events and environmental factors can lead to the development of anxiety in an individual. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons. I feel genetically I inherited it from my mother, her being bipolar. And we, we have that throughout my family. Mental illness is a big thing in my family, all the way through alcoholism, um, overeating. My mother was quite heavy. I tend to, I know there was something I had to do. I had to go someplace and it made me really nervous. And after I got done, I went and I got, oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Okay. I'm going to be really honest with you. So I went up and I got two scoops of ice cream. Okay. And then I really wanted a third scoop. So I went back to the window and I asked the guy for a third scoop and to put a, because I was bringing it home to my husband, but I ate all three. I had, I had to have them. And it was something that I did that made me anxious. And I have no memory of what it was. And, you know, I don't, I have never done that before, but it is a new idea that I have to practice once in a while. I ate all three of those. I ate all three of them. You know what I'm saying? But that, that is when I get anxious. What I tend to do is eat stuff I shouldn't eat 
Although I'm trying to switch it to like a banana or, you know, an orange or something now. And it really has helped me a lot. So I'll share that with you. Am I embarrassed about it? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed about it. But do other people do it? Probably. I think David's going to listen to this episode and say, hey, where's my ice cream? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I had really good. I think I had um, oh, some kind of salt water caramel and then I, salt water. No. Salt. Yeah, no, that's right. Salted caramel, salted caramel. And then I had salt water. Okay, that's because I'm in Maine. And I had uh, some kind of chocolate cake thing. Then I got pistachio. I actually have a pistachio ice cream on my tattoo on my ankle. But whatever. So um, I did that. And that's what I do. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't. But it's it's the food that really gets to me. So, um, oh, you were asking. It's treatable through through different methods. Um, treatment for anxiety involves psychotherapy. Alternative treatments, I think they must mean like, you know, like you do an alternative treatment, which is your um, your scented oils. Right. It could yeah. be acupuncture. That's the it thing. Could... Aromatherapy, they use that in Betty Ford too. Yeah. Kind of like so, a actually my chiropractor's office, one of the chiropractors there who's a stroke specialist, he actually does aromatherapy with his patients. Oh, that's really great. There's also, and think about, I just put an air freshener in my husband's car and he came home and he said, oh, I got the car out there and you have to go in on errands. And I got in and that car smelled so good. It immediately lifted my spirits. And, and I got when I got home, I said, oh, David, your car smells so good. And he noticed, I mean, this sounds like silly stuff to talk about, but it's helped me really with my anxiety is is really examining things that are around me, noticing things, paying attention to things, because there are so many good things around us that are so easy. Looking out and seeing a poplar, um, the poplar leaves, you know, they really blow in the breeze. I mean, I know it sounds silly, but if you're deep in anxiety, that's really hard to do. And, and some of the and other things are support groups, which don't work for me exercise, relaxation techniques, or a combination of different things. Now, my, my, I believe in psychotherapy. I also, for me, believe in medication. I'm on a new medication the last three or four months with, which combines, uh, you know, you know, fighting depression and fighting anxiety. And my husband says, I'm acting like, um, when we were first married. You know, oh, great. Now I'll tell you another thing. I have an implant. Okay. One of my, well, I have two implants in my mouth. And last night my whole implant came out. Attached is my crown. Okay. Oh. In the past, I would have had a meltdown in the past. Now I think it can be fixed. I called my doctor today and there's some kind of thing they hooked the implant to. I think it just came unhooked because of course I researched it. In the past, I would have woken David up. It was really late, like three o'clock in the morning. It just all of a sudden came out of my mouth. I woke up and I'm like, whoa, good thing I didn't swallow it. There's a nail on the end of it. And in the past, I would have woken up. I would have had to stay up all night. I would have waited if that doctor's office opened at eight. I called today at night Thursday. They know me there, have a little problem. I told, well, I said, how are you? She's good. I said, got a little problem. I know Dr. Gallup can help me and so forth. And I handled it. But that's what happens when you, when you work hard on that anxiety. But I will tell you, 
it takes you over. It can take you over, but if you can get psychotherapy, a, a strong support group, I have friends. You're one of them. You're one of my friends. I think since I've known you, but especially in the last year, you've, you've been there for me. You've helped me. You've, I've connected with you and you have accepted me. You have accepted me. A big thing about anxiety is knowing a person, you know, is I call myself a little out there. I'm a little out there anyway, but I also suffer from anxiety and you have never left me. You have not left me. We've known each other for years and you've been there. So you've helped me. And my, I have a friend, Brenda, who has helped me. I've reconnected with some high school, uh, some high school people, my friend Maggie, uh, and she's, she's great. And my, you know, you have to have people around you to support you, love you. You have to get psychotherapy if you need to take medication. And you've got to um, let go of people in your life. And I'm yeah. a toxic, I've been a toxic person to people. I'm sure people have had to let me go. But that's okay to do. And feeling like people need to, people don't need to like you. People should be respectful to you like we all should be to um simone biles right we need to be respectful i sound like i'm lecturing i no, I, 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 I don't I, I don't think you are because i i think i and i'd love to look up the statistic and i may do that for the listeners but i'm sure that especially after covid that america in general those statistics i'm sure have increased overwhelmingly over the last year and a half oh yeah oh terrible i don't really have that but i also have it is estimated that around 36% of individuals who are experiencing anxiety disorders of any sort uh, will reach out and try to get help. The lack of diagnosis is one of the main reasons that is it is untreated. And unfortunately, this leads to additional issues such as decreased productivity and higher mortality rate. If someone is suffering from severe anxiety, they are in, in trouble. Right. Well, and I think that there's a big stigma because I think if there wasn't a stigma, people wouldn't be attacking Simone Biles. I, I just think that we need to get it out in the forefront. I applaud her honesty. I hope that at some point people embrace it and support her. And we, this is a serious epidemic in our country and we're not acknowledging it. Anytime someone is being authentic, and being genuine and is showing caring for others, uh, which where she's, she's bowed out of some of these different uh, competitions for, for the Olympics to win silver, gold, whatever, bronze. Um, anytime somebody does that, it is a selfless act. When someone admits they are suffering from, from anxiety, that is an, an incredible braveness. Uh, you know, I was talking to you a little bit about um, the environmental factors having to do with um, anxiety. And uh, the last place that I worked, people were incredibly cruel to me. And um, that was very stressful. And uh, it was it was unbelievable, the anxiety that I felt, the rejection that I felt, um, the lack of caring that I felt. And another illness, I believe, came on as a result of that stress that you and I said we would be talking about in another podcast. 
um, at some point, and I hope we can get to that. And um, I believe that this illness that I developed was triggered by the stress of in this very unhealthy environment. And along with that, a rug, a carpet was laid throughout my whole place of business that I worked. And the glue was toxic. Oh, I, I could not wear my contacts. My eyes were burned for a month. And I choose afterwards. And within six months to eight months, um, this ailment that I now suffer from uh, became triggered. And well, I, I will believe- tell you, Dr. Yes. Jen, Dr. Jen told me that when we are in fight or flight ma- mode, she said Americans are always in fight or flight mode now. So she said that um, our our immunity goes down because oh, we're, yeah. it's very compromised. So I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. And her and I have discussed, actually, I'm going to have her back on the show and we're going to discuss about always being in fight or flight mode and, and how bad that is for us. I did. I actually listened to that entire episode that you had with Dr. Jen, who is your doctor. And um, it was fascinating. It was really, really fascinating. And there are, I, I was looking at your other podcasts because I think you have the ha- healthy hypochondriac and yep. you've got, um, what are the other two? So live from Florida, which is kind of like a random show. And then I'm doing one now for Johnny from Southwest Florida online news. So I'm kind of doing like a stuff with journalism, but yeah. that's really, you know, I, I actually really like this, this one, the, the, the health, the health one. I love talking about health stuff. Yes. I, and I think that's very important to talk about that. And I think it, it really helps with people understanding a little bit more about others, you know, you never know. I say this so often. You never know who's going to what. What a person is going through, who is standing next to you in the grocery line, right? Is passing you in their car, is walking down the same sidewalk as you are. You just don't know what's going on with someone else. So it, I think it's just really important to have, just go ahead. I have to tell you, I I agree with you absolutely, and I remembered like the day I got diagnosed with cancer, I had to go to the grocery store. And I remember a guy looking at me, I was, you know, I'm very analytical. So I was like, my eyes were probably moving quickly. And I was like, think, you know, mulling over. Cause at that point, I didn't know what stage it was or anything, but I remember a guy looking at me going, why don't you smile? And I almost said, why don't you blankety blank? Like, I was like, who the hell are you to, to, to even talk? I'm, I'm minding my own business. Just going to the grocery store. Why? So yeah, I totally am down <laughs> what you're saying I someone would... else would say someone else would say are you okay you look really sad I, I wanted to tell you one more cute story it's kind of cute my husband was in line it was a few years back at a large big box store and there was a woman in front of him and she looked really upset and he said she was really fidgety you know really fidgety and really upset really nervous and she was kind of talking under her breath and um so my husband noticed she had, you know, a pie, like a custard pie or something. And um, he said, oh, how are you today? And um, how's your day been? And you know, my husband's a very caring individual. I, I'm so lucky. And at at one point he said to her, um, how about giving me a piece of your pie? Like that to her. And when he came home, I said, David, 
You need to be very careful what you say to people. Oh, he said, I'd like to have a piece of your pie. He said to her, and I said, David, you need to be very careful what you say to other young women because you're an older man now. So you want to watch out? He goes, oh, I didn't even think of that. I said, I know, but he was so he was so nice to her. He came home and told me the story. He probably actually did want a piece of pie because he yeah. loves pie, especially custard pie. Uh-huh. But he, um, I just think that, you know, say hi to people, talk to people. Some people, you know, I was trying to talk to a woman in, in, in line the other day because I had something that was really embarrassing, which I won't go into. So I was trying to cover my embarrassment. So I began to talk to her and she just nodded and nodded and she was had a half smile. I don't think she really wanted to talk to me, but I don't know. Maybe she was, something had happened. Maybe she was feeling a certain way. Maybe she was a, a, a quiet person that was listening, but didn't want to respond. Uh, fortunately, she didn't say, you know, listen, lady, I don't want to really talk to you. You know, she was really nice, but it doesn't hurt to try. Yeah. And, and maybe she left and said, maybe she even left and said, okay, you know, somebody talked to me today. Nobody talked to me. Yeah. The conversation was a little odd, but obviously I looked okay. So she talked to me, you know, I feel better. Or maybe she said, if I see that woman in the store again, I'm going to avoid her. You just don't know. But yeah. take, take the risk take the risk to be, to talk to somebody, to be kind to somebody. When somebody looks sad or they, they're not smiling, have a conversation with them. If you, if they want to converse with you, try to be respectful of that. But on the other hand, if you feel like they look sad or something, you know, you can say, is everything okay today? How you doing? Why not? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think we need like much more conversation, especially over the last year and a half. I think there's a real disconnect between humans now. And I think that we need to all work on our compassion towards others. Well, we need to stop and think. Maybe Absolutely. that's that's what we need to do. Okay, Angelina, do you have any more questions for me? No, but I appreciate you being so honest and sharing your thoughts and, you know, some methods to help to help us deal with this. You know, I think I think really one important thing to remember, and, you know, I was an educator for years, and I, I used to say this to the kids. They'd say, you know, bye, Mrs. Holt. Or when I was in a public library, they'd say, bye, Sam. And I'd always say to them, be who you are. Be who you are. You know, that's what I always tell people. And the most important thing that anyone can do is be who they are and try to accept how other people are. I mean, just, just really try. And that's, you know, I think that's really helped me with my anxiety. That was a cat sneeze. Did you hear that? I did hear that. That was a cat sneeze. One of my cats is on the bed. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. And, and I'm sure we'll talk again. All right. Thank you, Sally. This is Angelina Santi signing off.